0: Welcome to a shorter episode of the No Formula Podcast. This is a shorter episode discussing how COVID-19 is impacting radio. And today we are here with a very special guest, Terry DeMonte, morning radio show host on SHOM 97.7 here in Montreal, Canada. Thanks so much for joining Terry.
1: My pleasure. Glad you asked me.
0: Yes, this is awesome. So just for all the listeners, I just want to give them a little bit of... um, some information here because sure. Montreal has actually only a handful of English radio stations yeah. and each, each radio station is very well known among the English community here in the city. And it's very much a source of entertainment and information. So how do you feel COVID-19 has impacted radio in the city?
1: Well, um, for starters, one of the things that, that show me, uh, it has the, uh, uh, has an advantage uh, of we have a, a, a wide audience of, of people who speak both languages. So we we've got a, a really big audience of people whose mother tongue is French, and a lot of people who speak barely any English, but who have loved showm and what it stands for, and and uh, uh, the music that they love um, has been part of their lives for many many years. So. During this um, pandemic, uh, one of the things that's been uh, something that radio has been very good at for a very, very long time, and I've been at it long, and and, I've been at it a number of years, many years now, and uh, I've seen this before where there's crises and radio becomes kind of like a campfire that we gather around. Um, it's a place where people go for information, and and people want to know about what's happening in their city. It's a pandemic, and it's affected the planet. Um, but uh, sometimes you hear the saying, "All politics are local." I believe, especially today, all news is local, and what um, what Montrealers want to hear is a Montrealer speaking about Montreal to Montrealers. And that's, that's part of what has uh, been part of radio's success uh, for many, many years, despite all kinds of things that I've heard of over the years. It was, um, from the day that I started in radio, I've been listening to the stories about how radio's demise is around the corner, and yet here we are, uh, post-satellite, post-MTV, post-internet. And that's because I really believe this, that uh, at a time like this, Uh, people want to be comforted by something that's familiar and something that's in their backyard. And that's us.
0: Yeah, that's very true. So you mentioned people want information from you guys. So that means people are still calling you and asking for information.
1: There are. There's a lot of people who want to know, you know, I've had all kinds of stuff in the last two weeks since uh, I was away. I was in, in British Columbia for a couple of weeks. And when I came back, um the texts and the emails just keep coming people want to know you know yesterday was april 1st so people wanted to know about renewing their bus passes and how do they do it and where do they do it and which roads are open and which stores are open and which stores are closed and if i you know order online am i taking a place from somebody who's you know who really needs an online service and if i if i don't order my groceries online you know, is it okay if I, if I go out and shop and when I go out and shop, what do I have to do? And you know, which stores are open and who's delivering? And we're trying to, we're trying to keep local businesses who are hanging on literally by their fingernails. Uh, we're trying to help them, you know, by telling people that some of your favorite restaurants are doing takeout and, and pickups and delivery. And that's how they're scratching out a living, uh, during this pandemic. So, the the station becomes a, a, a conduit for all of that information, and uh, it's able to satisfy the hunger for that information, whilst also being a nice distraction with all kinds of different you know music and and different features. It's it's not all COVID all day long, mm-hmm, yeah. Especially at a rock station, that's not our job. We're We're not the news talk station. We're not interviewing the premier. You know, while our colleagues at CJD are interviewing the premier, we're playing Steely Dan and talking to Pierre Hood about what's happening with the NHL. So, because that's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. And in and around that is keeping Montrealers up to date and making them feel a little better.
0: Yeah, and and like you said before, you've been in radio through, you know, Y two K, nine eleven, the recession, stars. How yeah. is COVID nineteen different from all those?
1: Well, they, they all sort of have a a common thread in that they're all disasters and they rattle people. That you know, I've been asked before, when was the most difficult time to be on the radio? I I was hosting a news talk uh, program. Uh, Post 9/11, I was uh, I was the host on CJD, and I was at Shom the morning after the Polytechnic shooting, and I was on Shom the morning after the Dawson shooting, and you feel the tension. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not comparing tragedies, but 9/11 had a world uh, effect. Everybody on the planet knew about 9/11. Everybody was uh, terrified and horrified by 9/11, and you know i remember when david letterman said you know he w- he was the first broadcaster to go on the air post 911 and said i'm not sure if it's okay to go back to normal or not and he kind of led the way back to normal and for me here in montreal you feel it more personally when it's something happens in your city to your fellow montrealers so for me this covid-19 is Sort of has a parallel to 9 11 in that it's global, but it's frightened people. Uh, it's just frightened the bejesus out of people, um, much the same way uh, people were horrified and frightened the morning after the Dawson shooting and the morning after the Polytechnique shooting. You know, these were things that weren't supposed to happen here. These were things that weren't supposed to happen to Montrealers, and Montrealers turned inwards to other Montrealers. Uh, for comfort and, uh, and relief. And it's, it's a humbling role to play. It's that you, you know, we've been getting notes from people this week saying, Hey, Terry, hearing your voice feels normal. It feels comforting. That's, I've, I've been on the radio in Montreal for 36 plus years. So I guess there's an element of comfort to that. Like there's an element of comfort, you know, to your mom and dad. To a cup of hot tea, to a favorite record, a favorite television program. These are things that throw their arms around you. And the fact that radio can do that is uh, a, a tribute to the medium. I've always thought radio was a very, very intimate medium. And it was never about Steely Dan and Metallica. It's always about the the human connection that the, you, you reach through the speakers and, and you try and talk and. And, and in this case, and comfort people. So long winded answer to say there's a common thread that COVID-19 has brought to me. That's reminiscent of tragedies in the past. And, you know, this, this is a tragedy for a lot of people who've lost their jobs like that overnight tragedy for people who are in the hospital and sick tragedy for people who, you know, can't go see their, their mums and dads in the elderly care centers. It's, it is a tragedy, and if you haven't been touched by it, and like you and me, who are at home and we're working, um, it's it's odd and it's confining and it's a little bit scary. And radio can bring some comfort. It's uh, it's a real privilege to be a part of that.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree, and I'm I'm wondering like you've you've done this before, like you just said, but how do you strike a balance between being entertaining and and then having empathy at the same time
1: well it's it, that's a very good question and i approach my show uh every morning trying to strike a balance with that there you know there's a place where you say now look this you know we have to social distance stay safe if you're not careful the mayors are going to the mayor's going to close the parks around town you know the premier is warning us that you know we we could lock down the island if we're not careful but you can't spend the whole morning doing that because as I said earlier, that's not Shom's job. Sholm's job is a real balancing act, right? So um, there, there are some things that, you know, I don't know if you feel the same way or people who are watching this or listening to this feel the same way, but the shit we worried about three, four weeks ago seems so trivial now. You know, oh, yeah. that all the stuff we were pissing and moaning about, you know, four, four weeks ago, it just it seems it just seems so trivial now. So, you know, there's there's you don't want to be it's a bit of a high wire act because you don't want to be too somber. You don't want to be always finger wagging. You know, we have to try and put one foot in front of the other and live our lives. And I'm trying to be an example for that. So, you know, there's times when you know, this morning is an example. Pierre Hood is a nationally and North American famous actual voice of the Montreal Canadiens in French. We speak with him every morning on show him at 8.20. This morning, him and I just chatted about stuff. You know, we talked about him being recognized in Florida and how his daughter, you know, learned his call when she was young. And, you know, those that's a nice distraction. That's a conversation that was a nice mm-hmm. distraction. We gave away some E-certificates to win some HAB stuff. Um, you know, I read some birthday messages. We talked to Pierre Laundrie about music, but in and around that, I talked about, you know, what you're supposed to be doing and, and how you're doing. And yesterday I had some people on the air, you know, I asked people to phone in and tell me about how they're coping and which board games they're sick of and you know, <laughs> what people are binging on. So you, you try and you try and not be the local clown. But you mm-hmm. also don't want to be the local funeral director either. You yeah. Know? It's somewhere in the middle and, and I guess my experience has helped me sort of navigate that.
0: Yeah. And has there been any news that's been like shocking to you about COVID nineteen?
1: Um the things you know, the it it not immediately because as I was explaining to you before we went on, on the air. Um, or before we began recording here, Um, I I was away on March 7th, you know, and it hadn't really ramped up. So it's been like a long, slow build. It was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a curveball we didn't see coming. I mean, we knew it was in China. We knew people were battling with it. But I guess we all had our heads in the clouds and thought, well, you know, it's something over there that they're dealing with. And so nothing has had an immediate "oh my god" uh, impact. The, the things that have uh, that have been a sudden realization for me uh, is the economy. You know, there I read this morning there are a hundred and seventy thousand Quebecers who worked in restaurants who are not working today. Oh, wow, hundred and seventy thousand out of eight hundred thousand people across the country that three weeks ago were working and they aren't today. And that's terrifying.
0: Yeah. That's, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're in, we're in for a bit of a long ride.
0: You think, you think it's going to last a long time?
1: Well, I, I, you know what, I don't think it's going to last, you know, you know, the prime minister has said that, you know, that these measures may last until July Hmm. Friends of mine have said and Montrealers know this, good luck keeping us in the house when you know when late May comes and it's twenty three degrees and sunny out, um, it's gonna be difficult. But it's so important now that we do as we're told and we mm-hmm. stay home and we try and you know, everybody's heard the you know, flatten the curve, flatten the curve. Yeah. I'd like to see the, the curve clank because until this thing gets settled and cases start to drop and hospital visits start to drop um, we're, we're in, we're in the ship for a while. And if we don't pay attention, it's going to go on longer than we want. Yeah. The economy is only going to get its feet back on the ground once we put this thing behind us. So we all have a part to play. It's so important that we, we, we do our best to put this behind us. And I think, you know, I, I think we're going to, we're going to still be trying to keep our distance from each other in the summertime and I think
0: so
1: too into the the fall it's this is you know this is something we're going to have to get used to for a while and I think unfortunately a lot of things you know Wimbledon is gone I don't think F1's going to happen I doubt very much whether just for last are going to happen these are all staples of a Montreal summer so we got to keep our head up you know we got to keep our head up and stay positive because I want those things to come back next year.
0: Yeah, exactly. I completely agree with you, and I think that we all have to really work together now. Absolutely. To make sure that we can put it behind us. Yeah. And yeah, yes, we might be suffering, and I'm air quoting here. Yeah. We we have to put it behind us now.
1: Convenienced. Yeah. Exactly. And we're a little scared, and and rightfully so. I think everybody has to be unbelievably careful. I mean, we when we went to Vancouver on March seventh we were careful to the point of being paranoid. Everything was Mm -hmm. angst, worry, hand-washing, Lysol wipes, you know, and I I think, you know, so far, touch wood, we've been uh, been rewarded for that kind of uh, vigilance. And I think everybody's got to keep doing that because we all have a part to play. All of us have a part to play. We all want to get back to normal. I never thought I'd say this, but I can't wait to the days to come back we'll uh, be able to stand in a crowded, sweaty Metro car. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're so excited.
1: <laughs> so exciting. Or, you know, concerts, just going to, you know, just, restaurants. My, just going my, to a
0: restaurant, yeah. yeah leaving my, the house.
1: <laughs> my, yeah, exactly. My wife and I have been doing date night on a Thursday night for, you know, three some years now. And, and I said to her yesterday, you know, tonight we're going to go to one of our favorite local restaurants and do the takeout thing to try and support them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then come home and have dinner sort of, you know, kind of a date night, I guess. But we longed for the days uh, when we go back to that restaurant that we, you know, there's a restaurant that we used to love to go to every Thursday night called the Monkland Tavern in NDG. Mm -hmm. and We used to find, you know, it was annoying because we had to get there early because they don't take reservations. So you have to get there at 530. (laughs) And I I missed that. You know, we complained about that, like I said, five weeks ago. Yeah. And now I long for those days where we were grumbling about having to get there at 5.30, you know. So yeah. I, that's what we're all shooting for. We want to get back there.
0: Yeah, all of us too. And out of curiosity, once you think this passes and hopefully next year everything is back to normal, yeah, do you think there's going to be a lasting effect on the city for Montrealers?
1: I'm, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm afraid part, a huge part of Montreal's culture is the restaurants. Um, yeah. You know, I I tell everybody across the I've got friends across the country, and um, if you're of a certain age like I am, um, and you're English, most of your family and friends have since moved away, and to other places. And I tell everybody that you you will not find a more fun city to spend four days in. Yeah. Uh, and five months ago, I would have said Montreal boy, she's a she's a great old gal, but she'll test your patience if you live here. Um, I don't say that anymore because, <laughs> like I said, what we complained about five months ago doesn't matter. But what one of the things about Montreal and what makes Montreal Montreal is the food. Yeah. All of my friends who come back, the first thing they do when they get off the plane is say, let's go to the Barbie Barn. Let's go to Schwartz's. Let's go to Snowden Dell. Let's go for a steamy. Let's... Let's go to the carry hot dog. Let's go get a puts in, you know, uh, let's go to uh, two K let's go, you know, to, uh, I mean, just pick any of the giant restaurants and even the not giant restaurants. Yeah. Food is a big part of it. So I'm concerned. There are a lot of restaurants that are not going to make it through this. There are a lot of restaurants that are, are not going to be able to reopen. And I'm worried about what that's going to do to the, to the culture of the city. But I remember very, very well after 9-11, everybody, all the pundits, all the columnists, all the know-it-alls said, the world is never going to be the same again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and it was, you know, we eventually, we got back on our feet Mm -hmm. and we began to crawl back up the ladder, so to speak, you know, like. That's human nature. You get knocked down and you fall down and everybody knows, you know, most people want to get up and get back at it. And I think it's going to be slow, but I think we're going to get back to where we were. I worry, like I said, about the restaurant culture in the city. That's going to take, I think, a long time to get to find its feet again. And I'm hoping that people will be more kind and take things less for granted. And I myself included, yeah. We all, you know, the small things that we took for granted just four weeks ago mm-hmm. um, are gone. But human nature is such that I, you know, in five years from now, I think we'll be back. I think we'll be back.
0: Yeah, I think where, so too. Where
1: we were a month ago, you know? What yeah, I
0: mean? yeah, it'll, I think, I think so too. But very good point about the restaurants. I didn't even,
1: yeah, even that, think about that. that. Yeah, restaurants. And I was in the restaurant business briefly a few years ago. And restaurants, restaurants, people forget. They add so much to the community. You know, mm-hmm. if you live like in in where we had a restaurant in Point Clair, we had a restaurant in Point Clair Village, you become part of that community. Monkland Tavern and NDGs and Monkland Village,
2: mm-hmm. it's a
1: cornerstone and kind of like an anchor. You know, Monkland Village was moribund. There was nobody there in 1984. All the stores were boarded up. And when Monkland Tavern was purchased by these people and turned into a restaurant, everybody said to them, "Are you nuts? This nobody goes to Monkland Village." And what yeah. happened was that started a renaissance of that area of NDG. Yeah. World famous Joe Beef opened a restaurant surrounded by boarded up stores and antique shops and change the nature of that little neighborhood and they become so much part of the culture and so much part of the neighborhood that it's you know people forget how important they are and it's it's going to change the the nature of some of these neighborhoods i think
0: yeah i think you're right and actually just before just before we end the this interview yeah um i'm curious i heard that all well everybody has to has to work from home now. Yeah. And as a radio host how is that different for you?
1: Well, it, it's uh, it's actually, you know, it, if 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 I've got one of these and I have mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> microphone
1: <laughs> and you know, I have a, a small uh, I don't know if you can see it but it's a, it's kind of a small there it is.
0: Oh, okay.
1: with a wire on it. Yeah. That connects me to the station. I really, I can broadcast, I'm sitting at my dining room table. There's, that's they yeah. favorite painting of mine behind me. And um, I'm, I'm sitting at the din- dining room table and my view out the window is across the Lachine Canal. I don't know if you can see that or oh, not. Oh, that's pretty. Yeah. And um, it, it's been perfectly fine and comfortable. Mm-hmm. and. Truth be told, I get an extra hour sleep.
0: <laughs> well, that's good, especially when yeah. you start at 5 o'clock yeah, in the morning. I,
1: I, instead of getting up at 3.15, I'm getting up at 4.15. So that's
0: an improvement. That's
1: I'll take <laughs> an extra hour. And yeah. uh, I, you know what? It's, I, I don't like the isolation part, but mm-hmm. I don't mind broadcasting for wherever I'm at. It's just me in the studio with my producer. I think he misses me. Um, but there's, um, and I miss, I miss, you know, eye contact with him, but we were able <laughs> to talk to each other and, mm-hmm. you know, I turn on this little magic box at uh, quarter to five and we talk about the show and where it's going and it's, it's been terrific. And it's been specifically helpful to me because, um, a lot of people don't know this. I, I mean, I've talked about it publicly, but I, I had a very, very, very bad bout of psoriasis 20 plus years ago okay and, and crippling like crippling psoriasis from my neck all the way down to my my toes and it was it oh, was oh
0: wow
1: it was to be I can't begin to tell you how brutal it was and i had a very very good and still have a very very good dermatologist named dr graton who introduced me to all kinds of we tried all kinds of different things and one year he introduced me to a drug called humira you've seen it advertised on tv <laughs> yeah. it's a drug it works for Arthritis and this, you know, this arm mm-hmm. was completely covered in scaled, cracking, bleeding patches. And you can see I have normal skin now.
0: Yeah, very normal.
1: The trade-off is Umera lessens your ability to fight infections. So you have to be careful. Not oh. a lot, but enough that to be honest with you. I'm not keen to go back to the studio right now. No. If I have a slightly, slightly compromised immune system Mm -hmm. and I don't want this thing. No. So I'm quite happy at my perch here. As a matter of fact, after I talked to you today, my boss and I are going to discuss, uh, you know, me sitting here for another week and I've checked with my doctor and my doctor has said, you know what? If you can work from home, that's what I want you to do. So Mm -hmm. Uh, and and you know I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like I'm on the verge of death because I've been on this drug for 20 years and mm-hmm. I'm I'm a healthy man, a little heavier than I should be, but I'm healthy man and uh, um, the the drug changed my life and I can't go off it so. Mm-hmm um that's that's why i'm i'm quite happy at home
0: stay home stay safe that's exactly that's, it. that's what's important yeah I
1: hope that's what my boss says when now <laughs> <today.
0: laughs> you let me know but i'm sure like it'll, it'll be fine he'll understand i think so yeah, yeah i think so too well terry thank you so much for being with me here today my great and, pleasure uh,
1: thank you for asking me i appreciate that
0: yes of course and stay safe stay home you too <laughs> and uh we'll keep in touch for sure
1: Okay, and give my regards to your dad.
0: Yep, I will. Thanks.
1: Okay, see you later.
3: Actually, my friend, mm. like, 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 they always, like, like, they convinced me not to give up. You know, like,
0: oh, like, like you were a failure if you gave up or something like that. Yeah, no,
3: not necessarily.
0: Oh, okay, like, good.
3: <laughs> fail, failure is okay in my in my view. Like, you need yeah, to fail. Yeah, that's good. Okay, but I didn't want to like give up. You know, or yeah. or, or make it seem like because it's getting too hard that I'm just like. You know what? I, I do not want to do it anymore. Like, I don't know. It's just I—I I, I might have extended it a little bit too long. Mm-hmm. But through that, like, extension of time, I learned—I learned how to, or I developed a thicker skin, you could say. Like.
0: Yeah, and I think you learned a lot
3: over those two years. Yeah, I did. I learned more in those two years than I did in all of my post-secondary schooling career. <laughs> I
0: think. I'm also curious about your friend. Did he continue the business after you left?
3: He did actually, yeah. But he it did? didn't really last. Yeah, it didn't last too much longer though.
0: Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, doing that alone is probably even worse.
3: Yeah, it is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'm I know you learned a lot of those two years. What do you think is one of the biggest lessons that you learned from those two years that you still think about or that you still reflect upon today
3: you know what it taught me a lot of good things like mm. like how to utilize tech you know like in today today's world if you don't have tech incorporated into your business or if you're not taking advantage of the techno- technological tools that are available today so like there's a bunch of free like open source tools that you could use depending on your business obviously it varies but generally speaking Uh, If you're not incorporating tech into your business or the everyday parts of your business, um, you're you're just not going to move forward. So, like, that's one of the big things or, like, the biggest thing that I learned. Um, Like, you just, you got to use tech. If you don't use tech tools, you're going to be left behind. Um,
0: Yeah, that's good advice.
3: Yeah, it really is. Uh, Another thing is um, when times get tough, uh, keep going. You know, uh remember why you started. Obviously, I didn't the, the this business that I that I had, um the rental management business, I didn't start it for the right reasons. Okay. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really even my idea.